Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Words mean things. Some words stick in the heart and some are kind of Teflon. Some come back and, and things that we said we've got to go back and apologize for, but words mean things. Words move hearts. Words move people. Words move movements of people in directions. Words matter. And as we've worshipped this morning, we've used a lot of words. Words of the welcome, the words of the scripture, which when Peter reads them, seems like Christ himself is speaking those words. The choir singing words, the preacher preaching words. We got a lot of words. We are illiterate, illiterate people. We like words. It's always fun when you can spin a word and someone's listening and they grin when you use a word and it's clever and it's smart. You feel good about the communication. It's kind of cool how that works. But words initiate this sustain. They can stop events. The words of scripture that gather us together today as the people of God, those words, they cut to the heart. Those are words that that move the spirit and soul and connect us to God and in the community of the church. Those words matter more than, more than most. In our city, as we celebrate Veterans Day, there's, there, there's words that are being used to remember people who gave their all and their best and served in the military for us. It's a quiet, kind of somber thing, but the words, though few, are super cool. A name, a date, the part of the military in which the person served, and a flag in the breeze on a hot summer day. And those simple words evoke strong feelings. They draw to mind other words, words like sacrifice, freedom, memory, liberty. And those words stick in here in a whole different way. In the artwork that we have out in the courtyard this morning, there's a whole quarter of that quadrant, if not a little more, that is dedicated to veterans. And if you look at the northeast corner of, of, of that piece, most of those tiles are from gravestones of veterans, whether in the UK or the US, I'm not sure. But it gives us something to meditate and think about as, as, as we remember those who not just spoke with words, but gave their lives as a word as a gift for us today. And so we celebrate and remember the words that we use and the words that we have heard. In our lesson this morning from 2 Thessalonians, I love that. Paul wrote his first letter to them, and it, and it was great, right? We got a letter from St. Paul. That's pretty cool. And then a couple guys took that letter, and they went a little bonkers with it. And they said, well, in his first letter, he said, the, the end is coming, kind of chill out, eat, drink, and be merry, everything's going to be fine. If Christ is coming, why work? Let's just kind of mooch off the good of the whole and see how it goes. And that word got back to Paul. 
His words had been twisted. His words had been obfuscated. His, his words didn't kind of ring true in the community. So months after he sent 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, he sent 2 Thessalonians. And he said, you're right. I was right. The Lord Jesus is coming back. But sit and be prepared. Not eat, drink, and be merry, lest you die, but rather serve, watch, and pray. That's the call until Jesus comes back. Choose your words wisely. Paul writes, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teaching we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Words mean I've had to go back and repair a word a time or two. The function of having a big mouth and not necessarily having my brain connected to my mouth 100% of the time. Sometimes I've had to go back and say, you know, I didn't really mean what I said. It took a while for being senior pastor to realize that people listen to what you say in a whole different word and that in, in a different way. And your words have a, a profound sense of meaning and that people will move and act based on what you say. And so I've started using fewer words, if you can believe that, rather than more. Because sometimes words stick in the heart like epitaphs engraved on our souls. Words can be very powerful especially when they're delivered by people who have influence in our lives. The father who pulled you aside and shared with you how deeply he loved you. That's not words that are easily forgotten. The teacher, the coach, the friend, the relative, the supervisor, the person who said the right thing at the right time to you and you never forgot those words. When it's quiet for just a moment, what words come to your mind's eye? What do you remember? Some words stick in our heart, etched like granite. Some of them aren't so nice. There may have been that parent who said words that were sharp and angry, and you never forgot those words. For some, maybe when it's quiet, there's a quiet in your soul, and you say, Pastor Tim, I can't think of one word of affirmation that I receive. Still others have this whisper of these words in their ears. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never make me happy. You'll never meet my expectations. Those words are painful. Some of those words stick in the soul, not eroding away with time, but constantly coming back to the mind's eye. For me, I hear the voice of my dad, who the day before he died pulled me aside at the hospital in Long Beach and spoke very few words to me. Not, here's a diatribe and here's a dish, not, here's a letter and I want you to memorize this. My dad said, Tim, three things. First, I love you. Two, wherever you go in your life, I'm so proud of you. And third, if you want to be a pastor, do the best you can and don't chase the Klinkenberg family tree. I hear that voice when it's quiet 
I hear that voice of affirmation and love. When you close your eyes and your mind speaks and you hear those words, I hope you hear words from someone you love or maybe from the Lord himself that say, you are loved and you matter to me. And when other voices speak words of condemnation, a deeper, more resonant, more eternal voice speaks to your soul. You are mine. And nothing you can do can diminish the love that I have for you, the Lord says to you today. You are a part of my family and you will never be alone. That's the voice of God. And Christians who follow Jesus, we hold on to those words in faith. The voice of Jesus so clear, speaking words of the gospel, the words of the good news. I love those words from Romans chapter 10, Paul writes. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. The voice of sin says, you're apart from God. Jesus says, I am with you. The voice of sin says, God can't love you. The voice of Jesus says, you are forgiven and those sins are far away from you. The voice of guilt says, you'll never be accepted. Jesus says, you belong to me. Hear those words for your soul today and let those words of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ be etched upon your soul like an epitaph in granite because those words are sealed in the blood of Jesus. Not only did he talk, but he did. And his voice of it is finished is a voice of freedom for every Christian who followed after him. His words are an epitaph forever. You belong to God. Those words include us in the family of faith and strengthen us in our walk day by day with the Lord. Now, I don't know where you're at for Thanksgiving, but we're already starting to make our list and kind of figure out what we're going to do. I didn't want to say this at the 8 o'clock church because I'm not sure people would get it, but I got a new smoker. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out how many turkeys will fit on that Traeger how much easier it is and how much better it'll taste. And, you know, I'm already thinking about it, kind of walking around Home Depot, looking around like, oh, I wonder if I'm a little alder or pecan. I wonder what the difference is. We're already making our lists. You know, we're already trying to figure out what it's going to be and who's going to bring what. And, and our family gets closer but more distant as time goes on. You know what I'm saying? The kids come and go in different ways as one dates here and one dates there. This nephew doesn't come and this one brings a girlfriend. And it's all kind of cool. I wonder what your Thanksgiving will be like. I hope it'll be warm. I hope it'll be filled with love. I hope it'll be noisy to some degree. If that's what your family does, I hope that the kids will bound home from school, that the grandkids will come into your house like they own the place, that they'll eat you out of house and home, and that the epitaph will be, we were loved. We were loved. Thanksgiving is a marvelous time to do so many things. To maybe Wednesday night or Thursday morning begin the weekend with worship. To eat, to cook, family, friends, football, all of those things. But two other things may be put on your list. First, listen to words. And second, speak words. Listen for words of affirmation and life. Listen to your grandchildren asking for and seeking love and inclusion. Listen to your children and their children. And if you're blessed, their children's children's children. 
Listen to them speak to one another because they echo the words that you've spoken to them over a generation. Listen to laughter and exuberance. Listen to the stories of family and closeness. And in your heart, find that affirmation and that fulfillment that only comes from those who are closest to you. When your son puts his arm around you as an adult and says, Dad, I'm grateful for you. Powerful things. Marvelous words. Words that are filled with goodness and kindness and grace that lead you to a sense that you did a fantastic job in the name of Jesus raising your family. James tells us that we have two ears and one mouth. And so the ratio of listening to talking is two to one. Sometimes that's really hard for me to take on. But after you've listened for a while, breathe in those words and breathe out. Breathe out words of love, kindness, of encouragement, Breathe out words of gratitude. I'm not sure who prays in your house for Thanksgiving and how that works, but for me in my house, it's home field advantage. For my brothers, he prays. If we're at my place, we pr I pray. For my mom's house, she prays. It's home field advantage. Whenever I was at my Uncle Bill's house in New Brighton, Minnesota, he would say, well, nephew, you're the, you're the expert. You're the professional. Looks like you got the prayer. And I'd pray for 25 minutes just to <laughs> let him know it's going on. <laughs> but in your prayer, in your prayer, remember the goodness of God. Breathe out words of gratitude, giving thanks to God for the many blessings you have, for the rich provision in your life and your life that is so full of good things. And after that prayer, find that family member who needs you, that friend who needs you that friend of a grandkid that needs you. Maybe that's the first time they've been in a healthy family setting in the history of their life. And, and you can offer someone who may be one concentric circle outside of the family that day words of grace and kindness away from the words of criticism and anger, but giving to them what they need to hear, words of acceptance and inclusion so breathe those words of kindness and acceptance out and offer love to those who need love so, so dearly. And perhaps as you breathe out, you speak words of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a young person who struggled in the faith. They came home and they said, now what? They said, I've been away at school. I haven't heard anything about Jesus. I haven't been to church since the middle of the summer. away from home for the first time. Their heart craves the words of love and kindness and the good news of Jesus Christ more than they crave grandma's stuffing and turkey. So offer those words of Jesus that bring peace and allow a lasting legacy of your words of gospel into their hearts, etched in love like an eternal epitaph that they will never forget. Breathe out that spirit of Jesus in words that you say and watch the whole gathering be impactful and memorable and unique and beautiful. 
and an opportunity to share the very best of yourself with those who are the closest to you. I mentioned a few moments ago that the words I remembered the most and best from my dad were his last words that were not many. Those words will never go away. I'll take those in my, my older years. I will hold on to those forever. At the end of Jesus' ministry, the disciples were gathered around and leaning into him. And they ate up every word that he spoke. And at the end, in John chapter 14, he didn't offer an enormous doctrinal diatribe about all of the stuff that was going on and the meaning of it. Jesus didn't even offer that they had all sorts of memory verses, which those of us who were raised in the Lutheran tradition kind of smile and go, yeah, right. But Jesus wanted to leave a legacy of his words and his spirit for those who he knew the best in the world. And so he starts with words that set up what he's going to say. He said, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then these words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. What a marvelous epitaph Jesus left for those 12 and for the millions and millions and hundreds of millions that would follow after them. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen.